Amen. Good evening, everybody. Say good evening to your neighbor with a smile. Shake their hands. They are reluctant to shake. Shake their hands. A firm shake. Okay. <clears throat> Praise God. Okay, so today we are in part 30. The final part of our series on wisdom. And today is Q&A questions and answers. Now, um, <laughs> questions are so powerful. Questions are so powerful. Many times, the gateway between where you are to where you ought to be is a question. Many times, the gateway to, between where you currently are and where God wants to take you to is a question. Where your business is to the next level is a question. Where you are spiritually in your work with God and your relationships, your marriages, and your health to the next level is just a question away. Asking the right question unlock light. And when light comes, darkness vanishes. So I'm trusting God today that for you, either you will ask the right question or the right question will be asked on your behalf in the name of Jesus. Or you will ask the right question for someone else. Because the word of God says in Psalm 119 verse 130, Psalm 119 verse 130, that the entrance of your word gives light and it gives understanding to the simple. The entrance of God's word gives, gives what? Gives light and it gives understanding to the simple. To the simple, to the naive, to the foolish, to the unwise. To the simple. So, um, there are four categories of questions today. The questions that have come in already, and um, Pastor Nina has them. Let's put our hands together for Pastor Nina. She's going to be a <laughs> cool. Um, Facilitator. So, and we have um, questions that are um, going to be written from you here live. And that would mean maybe because of the nature of the question, it's sensitive, you, you don't want to be associated with the question. So, you can ask the ushers for piece of paper they will give you. You can write a question. A lot of people write questions, so we don't know which is yours, and it will be passed to us and it will be answered. Um, number three will be those that are bold enough to say, well, I want you can put a face to this question, and you raise your hand, and you ask the question. And um, number four are those that are online um, that have 
a question. If you are online, you have a question. Um, there's a chat room. I, I think, I hope it's, it's open and you can ask a question. Otherwise, um, instructions will be on the screen on how to ask your question. So while you write your question and articulate your question, we're going to take the first three questions from that have come in already. Pastor Nina. Okay. Number one says, what are the practical ways one can instill wisdom into children from, from their early years? What are the practical ways one can instill wisdom into children from their early years? That's the question. Yes, sir. Okay. Um, the, the, the practical ways one can instill wisdom into children from their early years is to, one of the most effective ways is to inculcate it into their routine. Into, inculcate it into their routine. So once it's a part of their routine, it becomes a part of their life. For instance, morning devotion, the wisdom of practicing God's presence if, I mean, growing up, 6 a.m., sometimes 5 a.m., there was a season it was 5, you know, when we have to leave the house early, uh, 6 a.m., every day, my grandmother's bell will ring. Bang, 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 bang. And she'll be going from room to room. And so, practicing God's presence, the wisdom of practicing God's presence was, was drilled into us from... So, wisdom of reading, you know, the wise person acquires knowledge. No TV. When you get back from school, the TV stations won't open until four anyway. In our days. Then there will be that red and white and yellow line. Then you do all your own work. Once you are done, everybody sits and waits for bang, 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 bang. <laughs> if you don't know what I'm talking about, <laughs> you, you missed those days of when Nigeria was Nigeria. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> and so, so the, the, and then then the, the wisdom of, of being disciplined from, from, from as, as early as I can remember, I've, I've been chopping, chopping cane and, being, and serving punishment and doing chores. The, the, the wisdom of, of um, hard work, everyone in the house, there was a roaster who was in the kitchen today, who was sweeping, who was doing uh, cleaning outside, who was doing the toilet. There was, everybody knows. And so there was a roaster. Everybody, you, you get to go around. And on and on and on. So the best way is to have a routine that you stick to as an adult and you take the children through it to learn practical wisdom. Thank you. I hope that helps. Um, The virtuous woman was not living in a world like ours, or was she? How can one become this virtuous woman into this world? 
Okay, the virtuous woman was not living in a world like ours. Or was she? How can, she be, how can one become a virtuous woman in today's world? Um, in fact, I think it's easier. Not easier, right? But I think it's, um, we have more tools available to us. You know? Um, we have more tools available to us. The, the virtuous woman didn't have technology. She didn't have a, a freezer. She didn't have a microwave oven. She didn't have um, a mobile phone where she could monitor what's going on at home. She didn't have security cameras where she can be at home and be watching the children. She can be at work and be watching the children at home. She didn't have so many things that we have today. So we are actually better positioned than the biblical virtuous woman. Do I get an amen? So we, 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 should, we should actually do better. Thank you. Next question. If the virtuous woman is doing all these things, then what is the man doing? There's a similar question here. Okay, can you read the similar question? Okay, here? it says, can you please share or balance it up with what the role of a man really is if the woman does so much and he sits at the gate? Thank you. <laughs> the guy just sits at the gate. <laughs> Gisting. You know, so if the virtuous woman does so much, what? You know, who needs a man? Okay. There was this, it was a joke, right? That um, you allow um, your wife make the small, small decisions while you make the big, big decisions. You allow her to decide what to eat, what to wear, what school your children goes to, all the decisions in the house. Why you decide whether the U.S. should go to war with Iraq <laughs> and the big, big decisions of life. You know? um, so it appears that that's what this man was doing here. But apparently not. You know? um, to sit at the gates of a city is of huge significance in scripture. The, the men that sit at the gates are actually the, the leaders of the society. You remember the story of Sodom? The men at the gates of the cities in those days were men that control the, the city. If it's a nation, the nation. So that is where the, the Asorok is, so to speak. Praise the Lord. So, it, it appears to us in our culture that the man in that story was just going out to hang out and to sit and laze about, but that is not the case. You know, it was actually going to tackle strategic issues that has to do with the city. Praise God. Okay, so I haven't said that. When, if a woman can achieve so much by herself. And a woman should. And that's what the, the, the word of God is telling us. Achieve so much by herself. I'm sure you're going to, someone probably asked that. Why should I submit to a man? What is the basis of submission? And you see, that is where we get the concept of submission wrong. 
we actually do get it wrong. No, many times, not all the time. Why, why, why should I submit? Now, first and foremost, I alluded to it last week, that the man is designed to be productive. If a man cannot provide for his own household, if a man cannot take care of business, the scripture is clear on God's position about that man. Praise the Lord. So, God says the man is worse than what? So, he is, he is definitely not saying the woman should be productive so that the man can laze around. What we see when we compare scripture to scripture is that two are better than one. When they bring, imagine this woman, this so resourceful. Now imagine how awesome her husband will be. Praise the name of the Lord. Then both of them coming together. That's the boom. If I heard you right. <laughs> Praise God. So, so it, it is actually, two are actually better than one. So if only the man has substance and the woman doesn't have substance, when they become two, the union, the man, the union is less because what the man has is now shared between two. So two are actually not better than one, literally in, the, in that instance. So for two to be better than one, you must have fire. I must have fire. When we bring our fires together, it becomes a bonfire. Praise the name of the Lord. Okay, let's clap for God. I mean, it becomes, a, it becomes a bonfire. Now, the concept of submission is so, so why submit to a man? If I can buy my own bag, buy my own lashes, buy my own. <laughs> what? <laughs> you know, why? Submission. It's actually submission because you have an option. It's huge. Submission cannot be submission if you don't have an option. Submission is submission because you have an option. I have an option, but I submit to you. Many times, people don't even have anything to submit. They have nothing to submit. We've explained the difference between obedience and submission. So, many times, when we struggle with submission, it's sometimes because we, we, we don't understand it. And if you see, the, the, the Bible did not say that the woman should submit to the man. It's never written in the Bible that the woman should submit to, to the man. It's not in the Bible. What the Bible says is that the wife should submit to her husband. So, this woman should not go around submitting to every man. That's incorrect. So, we have, so when we, when we put, 
when in a secular space or in, in the marketplace, when you put a woman and a, and a man on the same project or they, they have to do things together, the man actually, in our, particularly in our culture, the man actually expects that the woman will back down for him because he's a man. But if you're a virtuous woman, you stand up and look him in the eye and you say, no, I'm not going to back down for you because I'm a daughter of Zion. Praise the name of the Lord. So, so um, I've had people, I've had to restrain one of my, my friends at different times, you know, when they get so impatient and say that, and the reason is because the, he, my friend, met a very strong woman, you know, and the woman was a very strong woman, you know. She, know her, she knows her stuff. And she, she wasn't, well, disrespectful, but she put him in his place, and he was venting, and he said to me, I have a type at home. And I said to him, but she is not your type. She's not. She won't even marry you. That kind of a woman will not marry you, as in that kind of a man. Or should not, unfortunately, some women. Women are strange sometimes. You go and marry a parked car. Then five years into the marriage, you'll be lamenting. What are you lamenting? Stay there. That's your portion. <laughs> Which is why you have to open your eyes and before you say yes to a man, is he worthy? Can this man carry this? <laughs> I say, oh, it's pride. It's, it is not pride. It's sonship. It's not pride. There are cases where we have men that can't walk up to a woman because she's driving an SUV. She bought a brand new SUV with her money. And she's like, <laughs> I'm like, like ah, no man will be able to approach you. I said, I, said, I said to her, don't worry. You've just eliminated the wrong men. By buying that SUV, the right one with square shoulder, uh-huh. the coast is clear. My point is the wife submits to her own husband. So, for this woman, as industrious, as gifted as she is. Imagine the kind of man she will agree to marry. That's one. Two, if as talented as as gifted as she is, she chooses to marry a parked car, then that's a portion. She should submit to a parked car. Praise God. Have we had three on there? Yes, sir. Okay. Let's take a question. Anybody have a question? Can you put up your hand? Um, is there a hand there? If you put up, put up your hand well over your head. Otherwise, uh, all the questions are coming in written for now. Next question. How does fearing God add length to a man's, to a person's life? Proverbs ten twenty seven. Okay. Fearing God adds length to people's lives 
in several ways. Number one, um, if you fear God, you respect his word, and his word says, be anxious for nothing. So it means your life is free of stress and anxiety. It means you can't have high blood pressure and all the other associated diseases that are stress. Praise God. Fearing God means respecting your body. It means you won't eat junk. You won't treat your body with disrespect. So it means you won't have unnecessary diseases that shorten people's lives. It means you will exercise well. You will take care of your body. Your body will be sharp. That's what it means. So it lengthens your life. And above all, you know, the word of God is like marrow to your bone. The Bible says like life, you know. So it actually gives life. Next question. Proverbs, Proverbs 26, 4 and 5 seem to contradict. Can we shed more light on them? Can you please put up Proverbs 26, 4 and 5? It says it seems to contradict. Proverbs 26, 4 and 5. Okay. It says, don't answer the, fool, the foolish argument of fools or you will become as foolish as they are. Then, be sure to answer the foolish argument of fools or they will become wise in their own eyes, in their own estimation. So, I mean, that just shows that you're a wise person. If you know it's all about timing. There's a time that you ignore fools and you allow them to be fools. And there's a time that you correct fools so that they know that they are fools. Knowing the difference is being wise. So that is wisdom. So it's, it's actually not contradictory. It says you must know when to answer a fool, and you must know when to keep quiet. A lot of problems we have is that we do the opposite. We answer a fool when we should not answer a fool. And we keep quiet when we should actually answer a fool. So we have people that say, oh, I've just keep it quiet. I will keep quiet for peace sake. What's, what does that mean? We learned on Sunday that it's not written in the Bible, keeping quiet for peace sake. Such the scripture is not there. Genesis to Revelation. So, there's a time to answer back. So, when people speak when they are not supposed to speak, they get their fingers burnt, then they say, I will never speak again. It shows they are fools because you, there's a time you have to speak. Okay. How does lack of wisdom lead to, lack of vision lead to death? How does lack of vision, vision lead to death? lead to death. Well, I don't know if the Bible says lack of vision leads to death, but the Bible says lack of vision leads to confusion. Where there's no vision, 
The people perish. Okay, well, okay, at least death. But the real perish there is the word there means run elter skelter. It means there's no there there there's there's confusion. Obviously, when you are running elter skelter, you can't jam a car or a kada, you know, and that can lead to death. So, yeah. So ultimately, that's how vision lack of vision leads to death. Next question. How can a friend stick closer than a brother? Proverbs eighteen twenty four. How can a friend stick closer, closer than, a than a brother? Okay. Um, many times, just simply out of sheer proximity, we have friends that stick closer than our own brothers and sisters. Simply out of sheer proximity. So, not many of us are living in close proximity to our siblings. In fact, many of us have friends that are closer proximity-wise to us than our siblings. Many of us do. So, that's one. Secondly, many of us will discover that our worldview are siblings can't handle our worldview. And as we do life, we are connected to people that can actually handle our thinking. And they become close to us, even closer than our brothers. There's a, there's a proverb that... Um, goes like, like this, you know, that 20 children cannot play together for 20 years. Have you heard that before? Okay. So, I mean, so if, if you grew up, check. By the time you, everybody's an adult, everybody's doing their own thing. So you're connecting to different people. So inadvertently, you will have friends that actually get you more than your siblings. Sometimes your siblings never see beyond the, um, what's your name? What's your name? Pardon? Terence. They never see beyond the Terence that was 10 years old. So even though Terence is becoming a great and a mighty man of industry, it's not Terence. <laughs> and the greatness in Terence will abhor that. So, but there will be other people that will see Terence and say, wow, I'd be able to connect to Terence for who he is, you know, and his destiny. They actually will become closer. On another level, similar to that, as a fallout to that, that breeds just put it in silence, right? That breeds um, content. They say familiarity does what? Breeds content. So, Jesus would say, the prophet is not without honor, except in his own household. Even Jesus could not do many miracles. 
The Bible says he could only heal a few folks. He, why? When he went to his hometown and, you know, and when he was coming from, from uh, Capernaum, you know, and he's like, oh, Jesus, the Son of God. When he got to his hometown, he said, which, which one? This, this one. This one. With the road tire for here. I don't know, no, 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 no. This one cannot be. Where did he get the anointing? We know him. It's very troublesome. Now he says he's a man of God. Do you understand? So, the closest to Jesus were not, in his lifetime, were not his brothers. He had five brothers, how many? Five or seven? Five. Were not his brothers. The closest to Jesus were the Johns of this world, the Peter of this world, the Andrew, the James of this world. None of them were his brothers. Jesus' brothers did not believe in Jesus until he died. Until he died and rose again. That was when he said, ah, it must be true. But why do you have to wait to die? Why would you keep, you know some of us, we are just where we are stuck because we are seeking the face of people that we never give them, give us their face. We are seeking the face of people that will never, they, will, they know that you need their approval or you seek their approval and they will use it to manipulate you and they will never give it to you and, and you want to end your happiness on that. Let them go and drink coffee. You need to get to a place where, honestly, you don't give a damn what your sisters think, what your brothers say. You don't need to die and resurrect before they believe. Then it's too late. Then James became, all of them, um, Jude was the brother of Jesus. The guy that wrote Jude. Was brother of Jesus. God said after Jesus died, James, that became the, the leader of the church in Jerusalem, was the brother of Jesus. He didn't come to Christ while he was alive. It was only his mom that knew that this boy was special. You know? Yeah, Jesus. Can't sit down. So a friend sticks closer many times than a brother because they can discern your value. Okay, let's clap for the Lord. Yeah. What does it mean that a righteous person cares for the needs of animals? Proverbs 12, verse 10. Proverbs 12, verse 10. Say, verse what, 10. What does it mean that a righteous person cares for the needs of animals? Proverbs, okay. It says, the godly <coughs> care for their animals, but the wicked are always cruel. You know, again, it just shows that if you're a good person, it's, it just says it overflows even to your animals. That's what it means. If you're a cruel person, even your animal will know it. When you come back from work, your dog will go and hide. <laughs> so, ah, you don't come. You go and work on a JJ, you know. So, I mean, that's just what the Bible is saying, you know. Some people have turned this into animal rights. Uh, movement saying all sorts of things that scripture did not say. No. No. It shows 
that everyone in your household, even your animal, we know you're a, you're a kind person. Because you give them extra bone and biscuits. Yeah. Why are both wisdom and foolishness pictured as women in Proverbs? <laughs> Why are both wisdom and foolishness pictured as women or featured? Pictured. Pictured as, as women. women in Proverbs. Why not men, right? You know? Why, why, why don't say the, uh, well, if they had said the man was in wisdom and the woman was in foolishness, there would be a problem. If they said the man was in foolishness and the man was in wisdom, there would be a problem. If they say the man is in wisdom and the fool, man is foolishness, there would be a problem. They say women are not represented. <laughs> so, whichever way, there will be a problem, right? But, <laughs> but, but, I think that is because both wisdom and foolishness brings forth. So, Ecclesiastes 10.10, we says something like, wisdom is known by our children. So, foolishness also brings forth, you know. So, I think from that concept of production and producing, wisdom produces a certain kind of people, Foolishness produces a certain kind of people. So from that, from that um, concept, the, 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 the um, female um, analogy or gender, what have you, is used, I think. Yeah. Okay. Proverbs are short expressions of popular wisdom. Cultures have developed proverbs over the centuries. For example, if, somebody, if somebody's own does not spoil, the other person's own cannot be good. Is it wrong? Fundamentally correct, but implementation-wise wrong. Can you please shed more light on this? Okay, so if I understand that, saying that proverbs um, form cultures, and over the years, cultures have had proverbs. And those proverbs have guided how people make decisions. And some of those, a lot of those programs, many times they are wrong. But we have some that are fundamentally correct, but implementation-wise, they are wrong. Like, if one person's own does not spoil, another person's own cannot be better. So, that is a, an accurate fundamental of substitution, right? So, and um, the implementation in that instance is wrong because the only person that needs to go down for you to go up is Jesus, right? So, Jesus is the only one that needs to become a curse so that you can become a blessing. So, so when you are approaching a situation, maybe at work, and you, there are five of you, I mean, jostling from one position, the, there's an opening, you know, then if you, if you 
take it upon yourself, culture, particularly African culture, some of African culture, takes it upon themselves to see to the downfall of the other four so that you can get the position. So they will say, I will go to the village for you. So, so it means that they will take it in, they will take law into their hands, spiritual laws into their hands by trying to pull other people down so that they can rise. But you see, the truth is, and that's what makes it wrong, the truth is you don't need to pull anybody down for you to rise. You don't. Let everybody be the best. You rise by yourself. You will discover that the glory of the sun is different from the glory of the moon. And even the stars vary in glory. So the fact that somebody is shining doesn't take away light from you. You just have to shine your shine. (laughs) You just have to shine your shine. And when you come into the brightness of your glory, sometimes people are intimidated because they have not learned to mind their business. That is, stay on your track. Everybody else is doing, is doing that. No, 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 no. You stay on your own track. And your light will shine. And your light will shine. And your light will shine. That's how it works. That's how it works. That's how it works. I was sharing on Sunday, I think it was Sunday, when we talked about um, single-mindedness in obedience and in sacrifice. There can't be obedience without sacrifice. And we did say that in situations where you have, people say, oh, I have a boss, a wicked boss. It's, it's not, I've not been promoted for X number of years. You know, your boss does not need to f- die. You don't need to go and pray to kill your boss. Your boss is not your problem. The issue is that you have not paid the price for that promotion yet in the spiritual. It has not gauged. When you make the sacrifice and heaven smells it, I say, "Mm." (laughs) it's time to lift Femi up. Nobody can stop it. The, The person that wants to try will be stepping stool. You will crush them on your way to the top. That is how it works. So, people focus on the wrong things. Who is doing me jamba here? Who is doing, nobody is doing you jamba. Nobody can do you jamba. If you are... Okay, what does that mean? What does that mean? Jamba means? You guys, you know what I'm talking about, right? You know, do you evil and all that. People can try. But they will not succeed. In the name of Jesus. You know, when the scripture says promotion does not come from the east or from the west. Promotion comes from the Lord. He lifts up one. He pulls down another. You will be lifted up and not pulled down in Jesus' name. So, so when the requisite sacrifice is made, 
the heavens open. And nothing can stop it. Absolutely nothing. I hope that has helped that question. Thank you. How do you tithe for a business? How do you tithe for a business? Okay. <laughs> Different ways. Um, because there are different business models, you know. If you're a solopreneur that doesn't have any structure in your business, that is, the income of your business is your income. As the income is coming, you are chopping. And you are going, you are chopping. As you are going, you are chopping. <laughs> so there is no structure. So you title what comes in as it comes in. If you, let's say, maybe some freelance people operate like that. So we have some freelance people that have some structure. If you're a freelance person, you have some structure. You're an entrepreneur, you have some structure. And you have been able to separate yourself from your business, which is what you should do if you want your business to scale. You have to separate yourself from your business, your income from your business's income. So you put yourself on a salary. If you, uh, that's another model. If you are there, then this applies to you. So it means that your income, your income is derived from, and you should do that from day one. Um, I've been an entrepreneur for 15 years. I've been writing my own check for 15 years. You know what that means? I've been paying my own salary for 15 years. So I know what I'm saying. And I started this from day one. Put myself on a salary. No matter how small it is, put yourself on a salary. If you can't, you are indisciplined. And it is ruining your potential. So, when I get my salary from my business, then I pay my tithes. Every business has a calendar year. Just determine the, 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 the month of the year that's going to be your <laughs> annual. When you stop, determine what is profit, what is loss. Then the business, when it declares profit, is taking care of its overhead, it's paid the staff, is blah, 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 everything. When it declares profit, the profit, you tighten on it. So it's different now. So when you get an investment, for instance, you get a million dollar investment into your business. So you say, oh, I just got this um, grant or this, what have you, investment in my business. could be equity. And, you know, it's a million dollars. Should I tighten on it? I say, why? No, don't tighten on it. Why do you want to tighten on it? Say, ah, no, I have to tighten. No, you don't have to tighten on it. Don't tighten on it. Say, but pastor, ah, you know, they say I have to, no, you don't have to tighten on that. That is your seed into your business and it's obviously not your money. So you inject that into your business. It becomes profitable. You pay your investors. You have your profit. You tighten on that one. Before you re-inject it. Some people think they can, they can swindle God. They say, oh, I'm reinvesting. I'm, I'm reinvesting. Re you want to reinvest it until you get to heaven. 
obviously God's going to meet up with you at some point. You know, so I hope that is clear. Okay, fantastic. Thank you. How do I build a fortress apart from having God as a fortress? Before I take that question, do we have any questions here on the floor? We have written questions. We have written questions. So all of you are shy. You, you, you don't want to be associated with your questions. There must be one person that... Okay, it's not important. We have written questions. Let's go on. Say it again. All right. How do I build a fortress apart from having God as my fortress? Okay. How do I build a fortress apart from having God as my fortress? Buy the book on winning. And... And go and read the chapter on security. The principle of security. How to build a citadel. You know, and everything is in the, in the book. If I need to be explaining all that. I'm not, just, I'm not tricking you to buy the book. <laughs> Many of you have bought the book already anyway. Praise God. Are there people that haven't bought the book? Ah, go and buy the book. Everybody should read that book. It is necessary, not because I wrote it, but because of what is in there. Praise God. So that question, obviously, is cleared. We also have provision for those that maybe are in between jobs or they can't really afford 5500 I, I Listen, everybody that takes his destiny seriously can afford 5500 Everybody. And I dare say that by God's grace, that book is, is required, really. It's required reading. So, however, you know, the Bible says that there will not be poor in the land, but there will always be poor in the land. So, we have a version of the book that... We want to make available for maybe 2,000 naira. Same book, same print, same hard copy. We'll give you at 2,000, which means somebody has paid for us to subsidize it for you. So if you want 2,000 naira, I will collect that. You will come and give me, I will look at you. I say, you, you can't, <laughs> you can't afford the, you know. I, I, <laughs> you see how, how hard it is to get that book. <laughs> okay, maybe maybe not me, but but the people that would do it would, would would I mean. But we just want to get into as many people's hands, and we don't want money to be a challenge. You know, sometimes it's the season you are in. Okay, you know, school fees time. Five thousand cannot cannot stop you from paying school fees. <laughs> Anyway, so please read the book. Yeah. The book of Proverbs has been most insightful. Thank you. But it is a lot to take in. How does one imbibe all that we have learned and not forget it? Very good question. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So what you should do is download the whole series, put it on the flash, put it on the playlist, and listen to it 
over and over again. That's what you do. Next question. How many questions do we have? We have a lot. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> Pastor Nina. Yes, sir. If a woman <laughs> if a woman has the ability to control her home and do all that is listed in Proverbs thirty one, why does she have to be submissive to a man? Answered. Answered, yeah. Next question. The virtuous woman points mainly to married women. What about the singles? Can they not be virtuous too, even without being married? If you can't be virtuous being single, you can't be virtuous being married. Next. Proverbs talks about how the man who follows the promiscuous woman comes to ruin. Not much is said about what happens to the woman. It's as if she's inconsequential, isn't it? But that's not what it is. You, 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 if, you, if you hear me, you know that many times I say that you can change the man to woman and change the woman to man. So when it's in the case of don't let a woman trick you, you can also say don't let a man trick you. So the converse is also true. Next. Men can be promiscuous too and loyal women. Why is this not addressed as well. Men can be promiscuous too and lure women. Why is it only women's promiscuity of luring men that we hear about every time? That's a good point. But again, what I said applies. So, even though the gender the Bible uses most of the time is the man representing the virtue and the full man representing the tempter, you know. So, but it can be the other way around without losing the quality of the word there. So, it's not gender specific. So, you can switch it at any time. Yeah. From the teaching, we see that Solomon was taught these things from when he was a child. Is it possible to still get wisdom in old age? Yes, it is possible to still get wisdom in old age. You have shown us the difference between punishment and discipline. How does one explain consistent discipline to a child that already perceives it as punishment, particularly when the child is problematic? <laughs> well, it's not uncommon for children that get disciplined repeatedly to perceive it as punishment. It's, I mean, I'm one of such. Um, I was one of such. Um, but it doesn't matter how the child perceives it. The child will understand later. But right now, chop your... Koboku. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How does one not get puffed up with wisdom? True wisdom won't puff you up, but knowledge will puff you up. So what people that get puffed up are actually very knowledgeable people that are not wise. So when you just have knowledge, um, it, it's, you become arrogant. 
but when you have wisdom, you know that you really don't know. So where is the arrogance coming from? So, yeah. Okay, we have 12 written questions. The Bible is complete, but I wonder why this much emphasis is placed on women. Can you explain how this can be seen as pressure on the women, woman to make the home run alone? Also link it to the cultural context in Nigeria. From the home standpoint, yes, the Bible is um, clear on whose call it is. It's the same way from a um, provision standpoint, the Bible is also clear on whose call it is. So, so the fact that the Bible is clear on whose call it is from a provision standpoint shows, Proverbs 31 shows us that it doesn't stop the woman from being productive. The same way, although it is the woman that is primarily responsible for the domestic setting, it doesn't stop a man from being engaged domestically. I don't want, I don't like using the word helping out. You know, someone say, oh, you're not helping out. Helping out what? It's also his responsibility. So he's not helping out. So it's, it's being engaged in domestically. So the man should be, you know, as much as he's able to. That is. And I, I should not be quoted. Notes to, to wife. <laughs> okay. I think this next question yeah. sounds similar. It says, if the woman is doing all this, what will the man be doing? Can this kind of woman be supported in Nigeria? Can she be supported? In Nigeria. Yes, she can be supported. What would the man be doing? I think we've answered that already. You know, a whole lot. A whole lot. The man can be thinking about Iraq, can be thinking about Russia, you know, when he's all bogged down with domestic issues. <laughs> but that was a joke, though. I've explained in detail. Okay? If you claim they don't take that and say that's what Pastor said. Yeah. There's this neighbor of mine that I've kissed goodbye. I still greet her, though, but I really do not want to have anything to do with her. A friend of yours that is who? A neighbor of mine that I have ki- kissed goodbye. Oh, you've kissed goodbye. Okay. I kissed her goodbye because her heart is so full of evil to everyone in the neighborhood. Okay. I just want to know if I've done a wise thing. Yeah, I mean, kiss goodbye. It's such a person with such a heart means the person needs God. And you are God's representative there. So don't kiss her goodbye for eternity because... God may need you to reach her, to invite her to church or something. So if, if you now are keeping malice, that, that's not a good witness, you know. But you can protect yourself, of course. Next. This is also similar. It says, if a Proverbs said to one woman does all the work, what is the place of the man? What is left for the man to do? Answered. In what ways can... Can we pay attention to God? What is the difference between the voice of God and the voice of the Bible? Okay. There's 
there are 14 voices or 15 voices. There are 14 voices that you need to know. And we explained all that. If we were at Life Group, right? On Sunday. You've been touching Life Group. You're not asking questions, tribe. Go and meet your Life Group leader. They will explain that one to you. But get the, get, there's a teaching on it also. And um, yeah. Next. Okay. It says, if he, this is an online question, it says, if he is not just sitting, if he is just sitting at the gate doing strategy, and the woman is essentially not sleeping, I'm hoping that today both are sharing a bit more. I didn't get that. I didn't get it too. Let me read online, it. online church. Online. Let me What's read going it. on? It says, yeah. Yes. Say so if he's just sitting at the gate doing strategy and the woman is essentially not sleeping, I'm hoping that today both are sharing a bit more. Maybe. Do okay, you, maybe yeah. sharing responsibilities a yeah. bit more. Okay, I guess they should. I mean, they should do life together. You know, and part of, and that's the key thing, part of doing life together is. It's doing life together. It's, it's um, you know, everybody's hands is on deck. So it's not, you know, however, someone must take responsibility. Do you understand? So, for instance, everybody, okay, let me give you a classic example. Everybody's hands should be on deck. Um, uh, while pastor can cook a little bit, pa- <laughs> Pastor doesn't really like to cook. So, if you say, if you're waiting for pastor to cook, nobody will eat. And guess what? Pastor doesn't mind nobody eating. I forget, I forget to eat. I can go without eating. It's the person that is hungry that will go and cook. <laughs> so, 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 but somebody must take responsibility for that. While I can look at, oh, and I can set things in order and, and clean and, you know, but, hey, someone, is, someone should be responsible for that. The same way, you know, the man, the 5P of headship. While everybody can participate in P's, but the man is responsible for the 5P's. Is the priest, is the prophet, is the provider, is the protector, is the progenitor. He must be responsible for the five. Yeah. Hey, Pastor, you said that respecting your body also means not eating junk foods. Yes. So I just wanted to ask if eating junk food is bad. <laughs> well, since you asked, the answer is yes. Eating junk food is bad. It's bad for your heart. It's bad for your health. It's bad for... Say, but Pastor, I love junk food. Eat it. Oh, I work it out. You know, again, what people call junk food? I don't even know what junk food. What is junk food? Donut. It's donut junk food. Ah, yeah, I have one donut waiting for me at home. It's, <laughs> I ate one in the morning. The other one is at home. It's on my table. JJ. I kept it waiting. If that's junk food, then I'm also guilty. And I'm going to eat it. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm not setting bad example. I'm not. I'm not. But because 
if you know the amount, if you know how much I work out, for instance, if you can see my rings, they are all, they are, the, the, the big one is closed. I've closed all my rings. If you know what that means. They've gone round, as in, I've, I've, um, the amount of work that I've done alone today, most people won't do it in one week. So you can't eat what I'm eating. You will be like this. <laughs> you can't. <laughs> so everybody must know what what, what works for, for them. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Jesus lived a successful life, and you are living a successful life. Please, can you share your daily routines of ensuring a successful Me? life? Me, I'm living a successful life. In are you sure? <laughs> to Joshua. <laughs> in addition Sorry. to Joshua one verse eight. That's a very good question. Daily routine. Yes, sir. Daily routine. Okay. I have daily routines. There are things I do every day that I must do every day. I wake up in the morning. The first thing I do is I hit the ground. You know that. Not in any particular sequence. Before I sleep, I don't sleep. I don't sleep with my phones. I'm just telling you things. I'm not going to give you any sequence. So that <laughs> I don't. <laughs> I don't sleep with my phones. I try to have at least 30 minutes off screen time before I sleep. One hour, if I can. No screen. No phone. No TV. No iPad. Nothing. Just. Everywhere is before I sleep. I work out every day. I don't work out three times a week. I don't work out twice a week. I work out how often? Every day. I read every day. There is no day that passes. Without me reading. What else? I try to plan every day. But I don't plan every day because of the nature of planning. But I try to. Is, is there, if I don't plan every day, I look at the plan every day. So in my bedroom, I have a whiteboard. It's not up now. It used to be up. It's, it's, it's down, but I can still see it. That I have the big picture plans on it. One of the plans on it that I need to pull down is the winning book that has been delivered. So I, I, can put, <laughs> I can put another book there. So every day I'm seeing it. Every day I'm seeing it. I have the map of the whole world. So I'm praying, praying for all the continents, from all the countries. Yeah. So, I don't know. Does that help? Okay. Very helpful, sir. And other things I do. 
that doesn't concern you. <laughs> Thank you, sir. So what's the difference between an immoral woman and an adventurous woman? <sighs> in what adventure? <laughs> I think it is in the adventure that is the difference. <laughs> an adventurous woman, if you're having an adventure with your husband, that's, that's an adventure, right? Otherwise, it is not an adventure. Next. Is it possible to be spiritual in bracket behavior and still lack wisdom? There's a second question here. Is wisdom and spirituality mutually exclusive? Well, they ought not to be, but apparently, practically they are. Um, you can be godly and be foolish. You can, you can, be, you can be godly and not be wise in your finances. Like Lazarus. Remember, Lazarus and the rich man. Lazarus was a poor man till he died. He was a godly man. There are many poor people today that are going to heaven. They are not wise in their finances. So, but you can be godly and be wise at the same time. Next question. There are two questions here. I'll take them one at a time. It says, what do you do as a woman in a situation whereby your husband expects you to declare all your earnings but keeps back part of his earnings? That is not declaring all parts of his money. Okay. Your husband expects you to declare all your earnings, but he keeps back part of his earnings. Why would he expect you to declare your earnings if he's not declaring all his earnings? But why wouldn't you declare your earnings? If you're married, that's what marriage is all about. Everybody sees everybody through. That's what marriage is about. Oh, if my wife knows I have this money, ah, <laughs> she's going to. <laughs> Let me tell you some stories. There's someone that I know, I know very well, that once his wife, she's a very understanding woman. She can, you know, she doesn't put him under pressure for anything. She supports him. But once she sees money, until that money finishes, she doesn't back down. She will pester until they finish the When they finish the money, they can all be drinking Gary. She's fine. But what she sees, so they need, they need to add a conversation. Like, Listen, if we go like this, we are playing with poverty. So they had an understanding that, okay, you handle, I trust you, disclose what you need to disclose. You know, just take this ship forward while I deal with this part of my appetite. And that is fine. But if he wants full disclosure, then he should give full disclosure. Nothing is wrong with that. Everybody should know what everybody's earning. Nothing wrong with that. Why are you afraid? What are you afraid of? Some people feel their wife knows what about their earning that their life is in danger. <laughs> Or if they know they have a life, life insurance. Do you know 40% of life insurance death in the U.S. is wife actually killing husband? 40%. Huge. That looks, she wakes up in the morning, look at the man, what is he useful for? 
I get four million dollars? Give him rat poison. Unfortunately, that's that part of the world. I'm sure it doesn't happen in Nigeria. What do you advise a single lady that has a male friend who buys her lots of expensive gifts and comes to visit her often without saying a word or proposing? And on the process, another man comes to ask her hand mm. in marriage. Mm. What should she do? Mm. Is it wise she approached the man that buys her expensive gifts and or please, keep quiet and please, about it? Okay. He buys her expensive gifts, comes and says nothing. What are they doing? Playing Ludo. Good. Then the other one doesn't buy nothing. Just go straight. <laughs> you know, what should she do? I, I would advise her to, to immediately go for the guy that comes to propose to her. I wouldn't advise her to do that. Um, I would advise her to have a conversation with the guy that is buying expensive gifts. It appears that they are not children, they are adults, right? You know? And visiting, spending time, and they like each other, right? Bonding. They are bonding. <laughs> <laughs> they should have a sit down and, you know? Prompt. Yes. It's a tough conversation, but they should have it. You know, or she should say something like this. Ah, I need your advice. This guy just asked to marry me. <laughs> we break out in sweat. Say, but, 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 but I don't really like him. You have to put that one there. <laughs> so that he has confidence. <laughs> because if you don't put that one there, he can go deflated and not say anything. You know? So, but I don't really like him. You say, eh. Who do you really like? <laughs> then the, the conversation can proceed from there. Okay, yeah. Praise God. Why does the Bible say that the man who finds a wife obtains favor from God? Does it mean the woman does not obtain favor from God? You know, it's interesting that the, the feminist thinking is a lot. It's a lot. Okay, so God says the man that finds a wife has found a good thing and I've obtained favor from the Lord. The concept of when a man finds a wife and marries a wife, the concept is this. The wife becomes a part of the man. That's why the scripture says, a man yet hates his own body. So the wife is, becomes a part of him. So when the favor comes, God is not separating the Man's favor from the woman's favor. They are favored together because the, man is, the woman is a part of the man 
has become a part of his destiny. That's how it is. So when people are thinking, hey, what about the woman? So does it mean she doesn't have fever? Feminist movement. I'm sorry, feminists. <laughs> don't attack me on social media. Okay, know, I, I don't um, give you a doubt. <laughs> this is yeah, the last question. Yeah. Is it, this question is coming from Bold Steps, Patrick. Is that the final question? Yes, sir. Oh, praise God. Hallelujah. Well, Sa- says, at what point does our sacrifice become works? How do we draw the line? <laughs> so who says something is wrong with works? That's another misconception in the church. Who says something is wrong with works? The word of God says, it will reward everyone according to their works shall be. If works is irrelevant, then why should there be reward? Based on works. The issue is, when you bring works on the level of salvation, works is totally irrelevant on the level of salvation. You can't present your works and say, I have been good, so let me enter heaven. It's not going to work. That work will not work. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. But when it comes to reward, you can't get a crown based on grace. You can't get stars based on grace. You get stars and reward based on works. So sacrifice will forever be relevant to the Christian. Forever be relevant. But going through sacrifice, thinking that will make God like me more, love me more, is wrong. Totally wrong. Has that been useful today? Let's put our hands together for the Lord Jesus. Thank you for listening to this. I want to encourage you to share this resource with your family and friends. God bless you. Is it